This is Ron Redvinsky, and you're listening to MLVC, the Madonna podcast, your place for all things Madonna, Louise, Veronica, Ciccone. Hey, everybody. It's Ben. And hey, everybody. It's Stefan, otherwise known as the person who's publicly campaigning to be Madonna's celebration tour correspondent. Welcome to another episode of MLVC. Today on the show, as you heard, we're joined by none other than Ron Redvinsky, who is one of the founding members of Madonna's former fan club, Icon. Hi, Ron. Hello. It's a pleasure to meet you guys. Likewise. Well, this we, this isn't our first time meeting. We've we've met before. <laughs> well, I'm so op- I'm I'm just so excited to be on the podcast, and uh, I'm ex- I love you guys. Ah, uh, well, as our listeners might remember, on our recent live episode, Ron called in and he told us all about being a founding member of Icon, Madonna's fan club that used to be. He had so many stories, we couldn't fit them all into the live episode, so we decided to bring him on the show, talk all about his time with Icon. It's Ron from Icon Day. (laughs) Hello, hello. (laughs) Um, And we're going to get to a couple questions real quick But before we do that, remember you can find us on Instagram at MLVC Podcast We're also on YouTube if you'd like to watch the show on YouTube Just search MLVC Podcast We're also on Venmo if you'd like to donate to the show at MLVC Podcast Or become a subscriber on Patreon at patreon.podbean.com forward slash MLVC Podcast Don't forget, you can vote for us as best podcast in this year's Queer Tease until February 21st Vote, vote, vote and who knows, maybe this little podcast that could will beat out some of the other competition. Who knows? I doubt it, but it's always fun to, to dream, right? Live in hope, Stefan. Live in hope. Exactly. By the power and of vote Madonna. vote daily. Vote, vote, <laughs> vote. Um, I don't know. Ben, why don't you get started? I will. So, Ron, welcome. And introduce us to the beginning of your Madonna journey. When did you first become a fan? I became a fan back in the summer of uh, 1984. Uh, I'd actually heard Holiday on the radio, and I thought it was the most amazing song. But uh, once I saw the Lucky Star and Borderline videos, I was sold. Uh, Hook, line, and sinker. I just absolutely fell in love with what I was seeing on the screen, and I thought, this is someone who's just amazing. And I, like I said, I instantly fell in love. So from there, how did you become involved in like a fan club, a.k.a. the official Madonna fan club, a.k.a. <laughs> Icon. So what basically happened was is that there was a store in Hollywood called uh, Via Hollywood. And uh, I walked into the store and uh, met Rob Del Vecchio. And um, I was looking around. It was a store kind of like, if you ever watched the show Facts of Life, they, they, they had that, Over that, our heads. Oh, my God. I, over yep, 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 it was that yep. store. Sorry, I was always obsessed with that store, watching that show, hoping and praying that that was like a real thing. It, it was. It was. So their store was like that. It was um, definitely Hollywood-based. There were a lot of celebrity pictures, postcards, uh, souvenirs. And I walked in, and I just thought it was the coolest store. It was a, it was a smaller version. Mrs. Garrett was not baking cookies in the back. Um, <laughs> Darn it. No class Leithman. No, no, no. But I, I was just looking around and I noticed there was a lot of uh, Madonna postcards and things. And I, I was mesmerized. And I started speaking to Rob. And he said, oh, my, my wife really loves Madonna. And I said, oh, I, 
I must meet this woman. Because remember, there was no internet at that time, so finding fellow fans was a challenge. So he said, no, she's a really big fan. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll return. So I did come back, and I met her. And the first thing I noticed was that um, Keep It Together was playing in the store, and apparently she played Madonna music at all times. And I met her, <laughs> and I absolutely fell in love with her. Marsha was just a wonderful soul. Um, so we just started talking, you know, as, as friends do. And before I knew it, I'd been there for, I think an hour and a half. And we just started talking about how much we loved Madonna and it just our passion for it all. And I walked away with a couple of postcards and I realized at that moment that I had a really good friend and, uh, eventually introduced her to another friend of mine and we became a little group. People started realizing that this was a place that people could go and find, you know, some Madonna memorabilia, not memorabilia, but just like postcards and things like that. And one day I was at Tower Records and uh, they had a magazine called Pulse. It was a free magazine that they would give out to, you know, people that shopped in the store. And I picked one up. That evening I went home and I just started flipping through it. They were highlighting fanzines. I didn't know what a fanzine was. Uh, Again, I think it was like 17 years old. And then the back few pages, there was one called MLC. And uh, it was a Canadian fanzine. So of course I ripped it out. And then when I could, I ran back to, to Via Hollywood and said, have you seen this? Do you know what this is? And Marsha said, no, what, what, what is this? I said, it's, it's, a, it's a fanzine about Madonna. So Marsha being really proactive, she reached out to MLC and wanted to find out more about them. And um, I think she became a subscriber. She started getting the, at least she had, I think, some of the, uh, the magazines. And then I guess she spoke with them about being a contributor. And uh, uh, from what I understand, they were definitely open to the idea. But one of the things that, we had talked about as friends was the fact that there was no real fan club. There was, there was a fan club that it just didn't do anything. I think you've got a welcome letter like 1986 or something, but there was no purpose to it. It just, Mm -hmm. it wasn't anything. And we kept saying how much fun it would be to have a fan club. And Marcia said, how about a fan club for the fans by the fans? And therefore Mm -hmm. we know what it is that we want, what we're looking for. And it was just one of those topics that we jokingly talked about over and over and over again, how we needed a fan club. And, you know, at the time, Like a Prayer just come out. So we joked about calling it Like a Fan Club, like, you know, uh-huh. like a fan club. And that's how Like a Fanzine came up, you know, Like a Virgin. So I guess she uh, had some communication with MLC and discussed the idea of a fan club. And they were very open to it. However, uh, again, this is my recollection of it. It was over 30 years ago. My understanding was that they wanted to be in charge of the fanzine and Marsha would be in charge of the fan club itself. But I think that they wanted like maybe 50-50, you know, you do the fan club, we'll do the the magazine. Mm-hmm. And I think that ultimately that just was something that they didn't want to, that Marsha and Rob didn't want to do. So they thought, well, how hard is it to build a magazine? I mean, it's pretty easy. So that's what they did. They started a fan club and then Rob was very creative. He loved, you know, um, art and, and things like that. So he decided to work on a fanzine just to see what it would be like. And, you know, back in those days, again, no computers. It was all done right. layouts and hard, you know. Cutting and pasting. Cutting and, and pasting school. and old yeah. school. And it, and it was expensive as well. So that's why if you look at the original fanzine, you only had the cover shot that was in color. And I think the um, the centerfold was in color in the back. Everything else was in black and white just, to, just due to cost. But Marsha saw this as a way to perhaps have a little bit of an extra business. They started putting together a fan club and they wanted our input and, you know, what do you think you would want? And again, our group was just excited about the idea of having something that was by the fans, for the fans. Mm -hmm. And there was absolutely no endorsement by Madonna's camp at that time, which we understood. 
Um, but it was cool, you know, watching uh, them put it together. Ron, we know all too well about not having <laughs> positive endorsements from Madonna's camp, trust me. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. But what happened was is that um, people started realizing that this was a thing. And about two issues into like a fanzine, her camp took notice and said, hmm, this is actually being done quite well. And after two episodes, or two episodes, after two uh, issues, her camp got involved and suddenly the doors opened and Liz Rosenberg was, was there and mm-hmm. they endorsed the idea of becoming the official Madonna fan club at that point, you know, and they loved the, at the time you got a, a binder with the card and you had Madonna money, which was $2 off the catalog. So what they did was they used the store as a way to, um, you know, they had all this merchandise. This was another way to actually sell the merchandise th- to Madonna fans through the fanzine. So it worked really well. Uh, there was synergy with the store, with the, the, the fan club itself. Right, because again, it, like you said, there was no web presence no. at this time. It's not like Madonna had an online store where people could just log on and go, you know, it's like, it's the 90s. We barely had the internet until late the late 90s. So it's like, where are you getting this? You had to order them through catalogs. Exactly, exactly. So that's what they did with the fans, and they kind of created a little, a little bit of a catalog. And there was also a one sheet that would give you some new items that you could purchase. So it was a way to, again, sell the merchandise, get the word out. They were selling memberships. I think the memberships were $29 at the time for a year. You got four magazines. If you were international, it was $39. And um, it started to work, and people took notice. And um, Madonna's camp was excited. And... Um, so they endorsed it, and suddenly we had access to things that we never had before. You know, we mm-hmm. had uh, we were given the Truth or Dare promo photos before anybody else. So that's how you got. You know, the ep- third issue of the magazine had Madonna with her fingers on her eyes, and we had the all access centerfold, and that, that's because of Liz. You know, she said, "Okay, you can you, you can have these things." Mm-hmm. So that's how it pretty much got started. And what were like some of your personal highlights from? your fan club days because you started out running the, the, the fan club or part of the fan club. I was, like, well, Marsha and Rob were running the fan club, but I was, I was there uh, as um, just a friend and colleague and contributor. You know, I, I wrote uh, some articles for the magazine. Um, first, the first article was, it was called close encounters and it was just a way to, share the experiences I had of meeting Madonna a couple times. Um, so that, that was fun. Again, we, we was trying, we were trying to build a community there was, there was, there was and to connect with people because we knew that there were so many Madonna fans, but there was no way to get in touch with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the, you know, some of the, we had, uh, we had wonderful times, you know, we all went to the truth or dare premiere. Uh, we sat, on, we sat in the first row of the theater looking straight up, uh, <laughs> But we were there. We were there. We were given, you know, I think like 10 Which tickets. premiere, the LA or the New York? The Los Angeles premiere of Truth or Dare. We were there. And then we all got to go to the after party. Um, and we danced the night away. Madonna was, there was a little stage. It was at a, a club called Arena and there was a little stage. And at one point, Madonna got up and danced with the go-go dancers. And Nikki Harris was there. And this literally happened in front of me. I was, I mean, this, I was looking at Madonna dancing and then at one point she left and go sat with vanilla ice and she had a mm-hmm. towel on her head. And Oh, so was, this, Oh, cause I wanted to talk to you about this. So sure. this was the premiere of goth Donna, correct? Yeah. Like yes, this yes. is when she showed up. It's one of 
my favorite, I, I say this incessantly on the podcast, I apologize for beating the dead horse, but this is my favorite, one of my favorite looks of all time, Madonna, with the smoky eye and the jet black hair. That, it looked like she would just put shoe polish and it was just like super straight and it's when she was on with Kid and Play oh, on yeah. MTV and it's like, Kurt, Kurt, truth or dare, truth or dare. Yeah. And uh, did you know that she was going to show up looking like that? Because I, I just want to go in depth on Goth Donna for just a second. No, and I'll tell you why. Because two weeks before, we were at the APLA AIDS Danceathon where Nikki Harris performed, and Madonna was there, and we were there as well. And um, she was blonde. You know, she had the red pants on, and she had the white t shirt on, and the black bra underneath. Her britch was there. You know, Nikki was there, Donna was there, and she danced for a good hour. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was in great spirit. She looked fantastic. She had, you know, she had blonde hair. So cut to two weeks later, goth Donna appeared. And uh, that was a complete surprise. I had no idea. I mean, she was blonde two weeks before. Yeah, it, looked, yeah, it, it the, was a good look on her. Yeah, all the press, all remember her famous Regis interview on the balcony overlooking Hollywood. Like, those were all with the long blonde hair. And then she dyed at her... Uh, all the way made black right before the premiere. That was wild. Yeah, I mean, it was shocking. Like I said, we had seen her two weeks before. Um, yeah, we had no idea. No idea whatsoever that that was going to happen. What did she do at the premiere when you were watching the movie? Was she watching the movie as well? or I, I looked back at one point. I could see Donna sitting there in the center. I don't know if Madonna watched the movie. Um, I've worked many premieres uh I've worked many premieres for, for the job that I have. And most of the time the talent chooses not to watch the the screening because they've seen it, you know, a million times. Sure. So I don't know if she actually did sit and watch it. Um, I did look back and I saw Donna right in the center. Donna had a perfectly centered seat in, in, in the, uh, the balcony. Uh, I don't know if she watched it. I, um, but she was right there at the after party. She was there. She was having a good time. She was in great spirits. So there was no like audience talk back or anything with like the Alec Kashishian or any of them like coming up on stage and like doing an audience talk back. It was literally just movie party. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have to believe again, it was so long ago that there was some sort of introduction to the movie. Uh, I know that Madonna did not come up front and, and say anything. Um, I, I don't recall that at all. Uh, but yeah, we watched the movie and, you know, everybody was mesmerized, you know, the sound of the, the thunder, you know, when she's getting Cracking a massage. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We, I mean, everyone screamed. That chiropractor um, neck crack, I think that's frightened me and I, it's still, sti- it's, <laughs> if you show me a still of that picture of her head, I can, can hear, hear it. it in my head. You it's can like, hear it. It's such a loud photo. You can hear it. But I mean, the, the audience absolutely reacted to that. Um, and then afterward, we... We went to the party, uh, which is interesting. I don't. I guess we all drove to the party because Arena was not walking distance from the Cinerama Dome, but we all went, and uh, and it was hopping. I mean, it was just it was a great time. Uh, and they you, had, so you and, were able to like move around freely with with like were you dancing with her at any point? She was dancing on a stage. There was a platform that 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 the go go dancers had at the, at the club, so we didn't dance with her at that time. She danced sort of above us per se, but she was on the stage dancing. Uh, she was not in the crowd dancing, but she was, she was having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and there were plenty of Evian bottles all over the party, just so you know. <laughs> of course. Of True. Course. I took one home with me. I took one home and I just couldn't believe I had, I couldn't believe I had an Evian bottle in my house. You know? <laughs> Is it still unopened? No, it was opened. It was opened. <sighs> Ron used it one night. Mm-hmm. No comment from the peanut gallery. <laughs> That's too funny. 
<laughs> what was the audience reaction that night? Like at the end, did everyone just jump up and clap and go crazy? Everyone went crazy. Everyone loved it. They, they just loved the movie. Um, I mean, how could you not? It's such a brilliant movie, and it's it was it, it just everyone loved it. They, they really did. They the reaction was so positive, and you know, walking into the party afterward. Um, you know, it was you, you were in for a good night. You were already watching mm-hmm. this amazing movie that everybody was excited to see, and uh, and then suddenly you were going to go party with her. So, yeah, absolutely, it was fun. That's amazing that they allowed you, as like people running the fan club, to participate in that. Like, that's amazing that they gave you that opportunity. We had the invitation. We had um, we were we were welcome guests. We were. Again, we had the worst seats in the house because nobody wants us in the front row, but who cares? Sure. We were yeah. there. Yeah, you were there. Yeah, we were there when all of the um, uh, when the red carpet was taking place. We weren't on the carpet, but at one point, I was again, I was very young. I, if I only knew then what I know now. Um, but I, I, during the, the MTV special that was being taped, I'm actually in the um, – I'm, I'm on the video as Sandra Bernhardt's talking. I'm just sort of standing there, just looking around oh, at what's fine. happening. So I can see me kind of in the background, just looking very lost, confused, but very mesmerized by the whole you know, experience. It was awesome. What other are some highlights from your experiences during those? Because um, I'm assuming there was more than just the Truth or Dare premiere. Yeah, uh, we took a limbo. So um, Madonna came for the Blonde Ambition tour in May of 1990 to Los Angeles, and they happened to fall on the same day of my high school prom. And I decided, what's more important to me, the high school prom or seventh row seats at the Madonna concert? <laughs> Hell yeah. So we took a limo, and we actually had been given a, I don't know how we got it, but we had a bootleg of the entire J- uh, Japan show. And we mm. listened to the entire show on the way in the limousine on cassette to this LA sports arena. So, um, seventh row, it was fantastic. Um, we were given some backstage passes. We didn't see Madonna, but we did see Paula Abdul back there. Fun. Um, so you would, yeah. And I think, uh, I saw vanity back there as well. So when you're watching truth or dare and she's in Los Angeles, th- th- we were there. Wait, vanity as in Prince vanity. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's she was there. Yeah, she was there. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, yeah. Did you get to go backstage? We didn't get to. We got to go. It wasn't backstage where the where the tour um, where the dancers were. I mean, the, and that's not With true. Her and Warren, you weren't. You, no, no, you, no. We weren't back there. You didn't there. get to do a finger down the throat to Kevin Costner. You, no, you no, 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 no. But it was certainly neat. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. We no, no. We were. I guess we were not backstage where Madonna was. We were backstage where other Mama talent makeup. Was. You were with Mama Makeup. Mama Makeup. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's where we were. And, uh, it was just incredible. You know, it was the, it was the best prom ever. What are the things did we get to do? We actually somehow had copies of now I'm following you and Vogue before anybody else. So we listened Matt, to Vogue. Like what, at what time during the year? Cause I think Vogue came out in the spring. So like how early did you get a hold we of it? We had it. I think we had it at least, at least two weeks before. And then what did now they I'm, just give? They just gave you a tape. I'm not sure how we got it. I'm not sure. We, but suddenly we were like, "Well, let's listen to this Vogue song," and uh, we put it on while we were all together, and we realized it was something magical. So, um, and then we had "Now I'm Following You," and we listened to that incessantly for. We had that definitely a few months beforehand. Uh, I'm not sure again how that copy came to be, but we listened to it over and over and over, not realizing it was technically two songs or you know part one, right, part two. Right, right. But yeah, and we listened to that on the way 
to the APLA Danceathon. So, yeah. Back to the fanzine for a minute. What sure. were you mentioned the one article that you wrote, but what were some of the other things that you really enjoyed contributing to the fanzine? Because you know, fanzines are making a huge comeback now as like an art object. And so it might be interesting to some listeners to hear from back in the days of original fanzines, like what were some of your favorites that you contributed? I didn't contribute as much to the fanzine. I mean, at one point, we were just trying to figure out what to do. We didn't know what we were doing at all. So we thought, well, what would be fun for a fan? So at one point, they said, you know, create like a puzzle. Um, of course, nobody was going to write on the, on the magazine. But it was just, we we're trying to figure out ways to just incorporate all aspects of Madonna. So, you know, we had one ads. We had pen pals. Again, pre-internet. There was no way to connect with people. Um, we had what we called on the cover of a magazine where uh, we would take 12 magazines and showcase them. Again, it was a way to, to, to highlight what she was being uh, on the cover on. And at one point, someone said, how cool would it be if we made it to 12 fanzines and we were on the cover of a magazine, so all the different icons? So that was, that was an idea that came through. Um, I loved the centerfolds. I loved the fact that... Um, you know, the fans were contributing. We had, you know, illustrations that people were were sending in. Um, just the fact that it was by the fans. You know, it was mm-hmm. really, it was a grassroots organization that everyone just was a part of. And, you know, who, who knew that it would end up being what it became? And, you know, eventually, you know, I remember when Rob said to me, he said, what do you think we changed the name from, from um, like a fanzine to icon? I was like, Hmm. Like that was Rob. Rob said, let's change it. Like Madonna is an icon. And this was back in 1990. He already knew that she was going to be, I mean, she was, she was massive, but let's change it to icon. Let's just change it to icon. But Marsha was very in love with the idea of calling it the official Madonna fan club because we had that official status. She had everything. I said, when when we become official, what are you going to do? Because it's going to say official everywhere, official, official, official. And then she started having a relationship with Liz. And, you know, um, at one point, uh, Marsha and Rob actually went to Madonna's house because they came up with this idea and they said, you know, we, you can't give autograph photos to every single person, but what if you created an autograph stamp using your signature? And therefore, this is another thing that we could add to the, the welcoming pack, you know, a, a stamped autograph picture of Madonna. And they loved the idea. So Marsha and Rob went to Madonna's house and Marsha was so cute. She said, to Madonna's house, and um, <laughs> so she. We know mean, which she, house. Which house was this? Was this the Upper West Side place? This was on Oriole Way. So this was up in the Sunset Hills. Gotcha. And uh, so you know, Marsha was excited. I, I think she jokingly said, "I got a new dress." And and then they they got up there, and uh, you know, because you know we knew where it was, and uh, went inside, and she had a sheet that had I think like six boxes. And Madonna had uh, just worked out. So she came out, I think, wearing like a bathrobe and a towel or something. And they handed her the sheet and said, and she said, what is it you want me to sign? You know, just you know, different signatures. All my love, Madonna. All the best, Madonna. Love, Madonna. And these were autographs that were going to be used for the letter that Madonna used, you know, for, for, for um, the welcome letter that Madonna had. They were for the photographs. And then she signed all six and she said, is, is that it? And they said, yeah. And then it was over. And she was like, oh, like, it was fast. You know, she, just, she, was, she was busy. She had a lot to sure. do. But uh, they got the opportunity to go up there. Well, right. It's not like she was going to say, hey, let's sit down and have some tea and chat. Well, you know, you know? but, you know, at the same time, I, again, I would have said, well, tell me just a little bit more about the fan club, you know. But Don was like, 
or, or thank you for for this fan club. You know, thank you for all that you do. Um, but she signed. Oh, the, no, 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 yeah, no. That's, <laughs> that's not our girl. I, I can I can tell you from my personal experience at Madame X, that is not how Madonna operates. No, 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 no. So she signed the. Um, she signed the, the the six boxes and the six boxes were uh, the sheet was eventually auctioned off by Rob later on. Um, so you can actually find a copy of that on the internet and you can see, you know, what, what they were. I, I held it in my hand and I was like, Oh my God, like she touched mm-hmm. this. Um, but did they at least get a picture with her? Oh no, she was in a row. No, she, no, 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 no. She no, was no. probably like no cameras. <laughs> no, 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 no. But they did get a photo with her uh, backstage at the girly show. So that was the photo that they, that they used. Um, but no, no, not that day, not at all. But they got up there, they she signed them and thank you. And then her management asked for, you know, extra copies of the photos once they were made so that they could pass them out to people. Mm-hmm. So they were they were very invested. Um they, they they liked the product. I mean it was a it was a it was a it was a well made fanzine. The quality was was fantastic. And if you were a fan, you wanted that, you know. Yeah, I had I had a subscription for a year. Was that photo with them backstage from the girly show? That was in one of the icon issues, right? Yes, correct. I was gonna say that was the time period that I had. I have no idea where my issues are. I do remember the pen pal stuff though, because I did have a French pen pal named Pierre that we corresponded for maybe seven months in that time period <laughs> that we found each other through Icon. And then I, I let my subscription last. I have a follow-up question that my library self, my librarian self will never forgive me if I don't ask. Okay. Is there an archive anywhere of all the issues? Like, does someone have an archive of all the issues? No. No, no, not that oh, I'm aware of. No. I mean, you can, I mean, I actually... To prepare for for this interview, I, I tried to look online as well just to see what was out there, and I think some people had. Uh, I think there was a YouTube where you could flip through the magazine, but no, there was no real archive. Um, you know, the thing is, is that Marsha was the real fan, and Rob was her husband, and he was not the fan. Um, Marsha did pass away, and mm-hmm. um, which is really really sad to hear. And I think at a certain point, he decided that he wanted to, you know, just get rid of all of the things um which is why he sold the he auctioned off the the uh the sheet of paper with the autographs there were there was the first welcome letter that she signed in the red pen that said all my love madonna in issue number three which was technically icon issue number one um you know i i marcia had a vast collection i mean there were things that i would have killed to have i have no idea what happened to those things but i do know that the two pieces that i mentioned were auctioned off so, but I don't believe that there was any sort of archive. I mean, you can find the issues, you know, people still sell them. I mean, they're crazy expensive now, but I don't believe that there was an archive at all. I don't think yeah. that, that was something that they were thinking about. Ron, what yeah. was the, de- why was the decision to end the fan club? How did that happen? I have, I don't know exactly why. I have to believe it might've been due to the fact that Marsha passed away. That would be my thought. Oh, okay. Um, Cause she, she was the one that was really the most invested. I mean, Rob was too. I mean, he, it was certainly a business for the two of them, but without the person. They were employed, right? This wasn't just like something that it was a side project anymore. Like they were fully employed doing this. This became their, yes, they eventually closed the store and this was their full-time job. Correct. Yeah. No. This it was, hired through Madonna's team. They weren't. They weren't employees of Madonna. They were. I mean, they were not Madonna employees, but they owned the fan club and they generated revenue off of the fan club in collaboration with Madonna's camp. So, yeah, I was going to say, what was the creative process like for the fan club? Like, how was how what, like was it 
they were having meetings with Liz Rosenberg from a PR perspective. Were they meeting with creative directors from Madonna's team? How, I don't like, think so. I think that it was more just uh, Liz would say, by the way, we have some new photos. We have, um, you know, this is coming up. I mean, I wasn't part of the conversations that she had with Liz. Those were, you know, obviously, you know, private. But like I said, the access was there. You know, if mm-hmm. it was something that Madonna was promoting, Liz would actually help in getting, you know, the, the letters, especially, you know, sure. Liz, we're, we're going to be getting a letter, you know, we're going to be putting out an issue. We need a welcome letter from, we need a letter from Madonna. Liz absolutely helped with that. Um, so, yeah. And I guess because I, I, I for, I'm trying to th- for, remember when the fan club actually ended, but I guess social media sort of took over its place. There was no, you know, now that, the fan club was providing direct access to Madonna that people didn't have. Correct. And therefore social media sort of like usurped that now that Madonna could be on social media and the internet, you didn't really need a printed magazine as often. Well, at that point, the printed magazine was, uh, was outdated. Yeah. So the, you know, the passage of information was so quick that by the time that they put together the fans, you remember again, it was cut and paste. It was, you know, it was a labor of love. So by the time that the issue was released, the news was old. And although yeah. it was, you know, beautiful and there was so much um, care that was taken into putting it together, ultimately it was outdated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so shifting gears slightly, slightly, sure. you attended film school and worked around LA. What brought you into the film industry? I'd always wanted to work in the film industry. It was a passion of mine. My first job was working at a movie theater. um, And that was the first time that I actually met Madonna. She was a guest at the movie theater. And um, uh, I just, I love movies. I really do. And uh, wait, so tell us about this meeting Madonna. We're not just skipping. You can't (laughs) just drop that and skip over. Not going to, not going to skip it. No, um, I was a box office cashier. I earned $3 and 35 cents an hour. My God, was that what minimum wage was at the time? Minimum wage was $3 and 35 cents an hour. Shockingly, it hasn't even gone up that much in in all that time. 1988. But, uh, I was pretty vocal about my passion for Madonna and, uh, my manager said, you know, she comes here. I said, wait, wait, what? I said, no, <laughs> she comes here. She comes here. I'm, I mean, before you, I mean, one of the stories that I appreciated that I was not a part of was that she came to the, to the, she, she came to the, um, to the theater with Sean Penn at some point. And I guess she lost, she left her ID. She, her, I guess her ID fell out of her pocket and one of the ushers found it. And, um, you know, suddenly it was like, oh my God, we've got Madonna's driver's license here. (laughs) And it made its way to the office. And I guess 100 copies of the uh, license were made. (laughs) I never got to see one of the copies, even though I begged anyone for one. Uh, But he came back the next day and said, I think my wife left her ID here. And of course, you know, they gave it to him. Um, But she was, she came in one night when I was on break and I was so angry. I was, you know. Oh, so you didn't even see her? uh, Well, I saw her afterwards. So I, um, I didn't sell her the ticket cause I probably would have passed out at that moment. But when I, I, and I had, a, and I only had a 15 minute break. You would think that I was gone for an hour. I had a 15 right. minute break, went to grab a slice of pizza, came back and they said, Madonna just came in. Oh my what? God, I would have died. What theater, what theater, theater number eight. So I ran to the theater and it only sat like 35 people. So I'm walking in trying to find her and it was so dark and I was waiting for just a moment. Um, well, you know, I had about two hours to kill, and of course, that was going absolutely insane. So I told the manager that my intention was to walk up to Madonna and meet her, and he said, "Absolutely not." And I said, <laughs> "Right." I said, well, I said, "Well, I think you're wrong. That's going to happen." He said, "Well, it's <laughs> it's against the company policy." I said, "So do you need me to quit right now? Because I will." 
<laughs> I said, if you need me to quit to make this opportunity happen for myself, that will that will happen. Like I will I will hang up my bow tie and my terrible polyester burgundy jacket and hand it to you. But there's make no mistake, I will be walking up to Madonna when she leaves this theater. And he looked at me and goes, You really want to quit your job to meet her? I said, I'm beyond serious. I said, I make three dollars and thirty-five cents an hour. I can get that anyplace else. It's a minimum right. wage. I said, so you have a choice. And I don't know why I was so like confident. Ballsy. Ballsy. And, yeah. I didn't care. Uh, very Madonna brazen of you. Very brazen. And she was there. And um, he, I said, I'm going, to this, I'm going to meet her. I don't really care what you say. It's either you're going to endorse it or you're not. So if you endorse it, I will continue remaining an employee here. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm hanging up my bow tie and jacket and I'm quitting right now, effective immediately. And he looked at me because I can't believe you're going to quit your job over this. I said, I can't believe you're questioning me. <laughs> yeah, he clearly did not understand. He didn't yeah, know. He did. And yet it's so weird because everybody knew. Everybody knew. So uh, he thought about he was, it. He was straight, right? Yeah. So yeah. he thought oh, about it. and explains uh, a lot. <laughs> he, he thought about it and he said, all right, I'll, I'll, I will let you do this. I'm not really asking you for permission. I'm, I'm, this is happening regardless. Um. So the movie came to an end. What movie? Uh, the Lair of the White Worm, I think it was. And uh, she always saw... I've never we, even heard of it. There were always like art films that we showed. And um, that's why she loved our theater, because it wasn't mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the movie ended. I knew exactly when the theater was going to let out. And I... And he, and he said, you're, 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 okay, you're going to keep your job. You just have to remove the bow tie and the jacket. I'm like, gladly. So I ripped it off, threw it in the box office, and I approached her. And I, and I, needed, I had no idea that she was coming, so I needed something for her to sign because that was going to happen for me as well. I was – no question about that. So I went and I used a time card and I punched in so I'd have the date and time, which was December nice. 11th, 1988. And um, I punched in and I brought a pen from the box office and – as she was coming out, she had, um, you know, jet black hair because she was recording like a prayer at the time. Sure, her hair sure. was parted down the center. She was wearing a tie-dye T-shirt. She had uh, blue jeans on. She had um, black um, uh, knee-high stockings. And um, I walked up to her and uh, I, I said, you know, I just want to let you know I absolutely love you. And I would love nothing more than to to just get your autograph. And she was with a couple of people, and I guess thank God she was because she was, you know, in good behavior, mm-hmm. and she was very accommodating. And she she on my time card she just wrote Madonna. There wasn't no love Madonna, just Madonna, and it was perfect. And I was just so excited. I said, "Can I get a hug?" And she just said, "No." And I said, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> but she was kind. No, she was kind. I mean, it was a seventeen-year-old boy, and. Uh, she was she was great, and um, she signed the the time card, and I said thank you very much. I, I just I thank you, and they took off. And unbeknownst to me, everybody in the theater in the lobby was watching this interaction. And when I turned around, I looked, and all of these eyes were on me. And I took the time card and I raised it like Lion King, and everyone started cheering. <laughs> everyone started cheering. <laughs> oh, so, I love that story. She did eventually come back. The next time I saw her was with Warren Beatty. And um, uh, again, I wasn't working at the theater that night. It was a Sunday. I only worked Fridays and Saturdays. This was a Sunday. And they called me and said, get down here right away. Madonna's here with Warren Beatty. You don't understand how quickly I made my way down there. But this time I came prepared with, with photos. And, uh, and she came to see um, 
the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Oh, and uh, yeah, again, art house movies. <laughs> and I, I was not dressed in uniform that day, so I was dressed as myself. And I walked up, and uh, and the two of them were together. And I said, you know, is there any way that I can get you know an autograph? And she was accommodating. She was very accommodating. She was with Warren and I started babbling about how much I couldn't wait for Dick Tracy to come out. And I, I was actually walking with them as they were heading to the elevator. And um, uh, I gave her two options of photos. One was the, the green sweater from, you know, the early eighties where she had her hand on her face. You know yep. what I'm talking about. And yep. the other one was a promo shot from desperately seeking Sue's. And I said, your choice. And she looked at both because I had I had them in the plastic, and she looked at both, and then she wanted the desperately seeking Susan. So she removed it from the pouch, and then she signed, you know, uh, Madonna there, and um, and then I said thank you very much, and they and they left. So um, I just uh, find it bizarre that they had so much freedom of movement, like that they were just in a public movie theater watching. Them. Them. Yeah, well, we we forget what the. We forget what the world was like before the internet. Let's be honest. <laughs> like it, It's bizarre to think how not just celebrities, but all of us existed in the world before cell phones and the internet. Yeah. Like I don't remember. I'm like, oh, wow, we did all sorts of things. Just being regular people, famous or not, just with a different kind of awareness of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was just the two of them. No one else. Uh, they, they came to the theater. They, they left. They walked hand in hand. They no, but nobody was bothering them except for me. Um, well, I mean, just the fact that there was like no security, like she no. would never be able to do that now. Like she would, no. there was, she's always with a security person nowadays. She came to the theater many times. Um, she did come a third time and that time she wasn't as, as, as pleasant. Uh, she came to, <laughs> I don't remember what movie she came to see, but she showed up with all the dancers for, from the, from the tour. Nice. And so she had blonde the, ambition or girly show blonde ambition. Uh-huh. She was there with all the dancers. And this time I got the phone call and came with friends. That was the mistake. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I came with two Never people. Never, no entourage, Ron. No, no, no. Two people. I came with two people. But she she just wasn't having it that night. And she was not in the mood. And uh, it, it destroyed my friend because she was a huge fan. And she was like, she won't, she won't stop and talk to us. And I said, not today. She's not in the mood. You know, but uh, she came a few times, so it was always it was always a it was a treat, and you know, I was grateful at that moment that I had kept my job. You know, at three thirty five an hour. <laughs> that was your beginning of the film industry, but that was not right. the end of your your time in the film industry. You moved on to a bit bigger <sighs> yes. of the film industry. Tell us about that. So I basically. Um, I had gone to film school, and my goal was to get into the editorial world. I wanted to work in post production, and. Uh, I'd taken some classes and I realized that I really just wanted to start working and get in there and kind of figure it all out. I have no idea where the confidence came from. Um, but one day when I was uh, not working, I, my mom said, do you want to come to the market with me? And I said, no, but sure. Well, I'm glad that I did that day because while she was shopping, I went to the magazine section of the market and they had um, a Hollywood reporter and I picked it up and it was really thick and I didn't know why. But on Wednesdays back in the day, the Hollywood Reporter would list all the productions that were going into pre-production, post-production, the different status, and they had contact information for each of those shows. Well, I decided I'm going to pick I'm going to pick this up and take it home with me. So I picked it up, and as I was going through, it said, you know, Madonna movie, and I went, oh, ding, 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 and um, so I 
bought it and went home, looked at all the names, and I thought, I want to work as a PA on this movie. So I called them up and said, my name is Ron. I work. I want to be a PA. And the woman who picked the phone said, who are you? I said, my name is Ron. I want to be a PA. And she said, we're, we're crewed up, but how old are you? Because clearly I was naive. Right. I said, I'm, I think I'm like 18 or something. And she said, okay, how about this? Would you be interested in coming in a meeting with us and maybe becoming an intern? And I said, absolutely. When do you want me there? She said, how's two o'clock? I said, I will be there at two o'clock. So I have no idea what happened. I, I got there and the woman was the production coordinator. She was fantastic. And she could see I was passionate. I kept my Madonna fandom quiet because I didn't want that to deter me or deter them from hiring me because they knew that I was going to be some crazy obsessed fan, which I was. They probably (laughs) knew. (laughs) Yeah. I tried to keep it quiet. I tried to keep it quiet. Anyway. It it glows like an aura off of all of us. Yeah. Anyway, they hired me and um, I I wasn't paid, which was fine. I didn't care. I was still living at home, so that wasn't an issue. And she said, um, you know, we'll have you work here Monday through Thursday. Um, you know, would you, would you be interested in, in, in working with us? And I said, definitely. Uh, she said, do you have a car? And at the time, I didn't. She said, oh, bummer, because we would have had you run things up to Madonna's house. So, of course, I was losing my mind. But um, Oh, wait, no, I forgot. I have a car. I didn't think <laughs> Hotwire somebody's car in the parking lot. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even have a license at the time. I, I wasn't uh, driving. So she said, not a problem. We'll just keep you in the office. We'll keep you here, and you'll get to learn about how the movie's made from this perspective. And I said, sure. So what was interesting was that we worked out of a house. Um, the living room was the production office. The dining room was accounting. Upstairs, you had the art department. You had casting. Uh, we had a kitchen. And we had different areas of the house that were different departments. And it was so funny because I didn't realize that they were technically departments. I was saying, oh, I'm just going upstairs. But no, that's, that's the art department. They were very, they were very, very, very uh, serious about it. But um, one of the jobs that I had was I would get all the script revisions and I would copy them and I would um, get them ready and we would send them to Madonna's house. Uh, it just wasn't me, but I would prepare the package and I'd write a note, you know, dear Madonna, here are some, here are the revisions. And I knew that she was going to look at what I had written. Um, but it was great because they allowed me to, um, to really have some access. So the movie was Dangerous Game. I was a production intern. I was a production intern. And every once in a while, they allowed me to go to set or they would take me to set and I get to watch them shoot. Uh, you know, it was, it was, it was just crazy. Um, the movie was didn't come out the way that I thought it was going to come out, as I don't think Madonna thought either. I don't remember the original ending, but the movie had changed. But I got to go to the set, watch them shoot a few things. Um, she was absolutely there. Um, at one point, I was speaking to the AD, and she just randomly walked up to the two of us and handed us a, a folder. And I just I was like, oh my God, there's Madonna. You know, I got to see some of the Polaroids that were taken. You know, at that time, Polaroids is how they kept, you know, the makeup and the hair. Mm-hmm. So at one point, you know, she was taking Polaroids. She had a trailer. Um, and then each night after the, after the movie was shot, they would have dailies. They would watch, they would screen the dailies of the previous night's footage. And one of the perks was they allowed me to go to the theater and watch dailies. So I got to actually um, watch the footage that was, that had been shot. And me being me, I positioned myself right in front of Madonna so that I could hear her. And it was great because she'd show up, she actually came with Ingrid. Ingrid was there a lot. And um, uh, so at one point, she sits down, and we're about to watch the, uh, watch 
the dailies, Imadonna just quietly whispers, okay, Madonna, don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass yourself. And I turn around and go, you're going to do great. You're just going to be awesome. It's, this is awesome. Like, don't worry. And she just looked at me and kind of nodded her head. Again, I have no idea where my confidence came from, but I clearly didn't know what I was doing because it youth. was so inappropriate. It came from youth. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, uh, I, I was, I went to dailies a couple of times and she was always there. She was very invested. She watched all the, the, the footage and, and then she would leave, you know, she would drive herself. She drove herself, uh, to the dailies. She and Ingrid would show up. Uh, sometimes we had food for them. She never touched it. Um, I'd even say, Madonna, we have sandwiches here. And she kind of looked, you know, wasn't eating it. Um, and then on the final day of shooting, or one of the things that they allowed me to do was, um, they allowed me to try on her prop wedding ring. She had a wedding ring on the movie and, uh, I was like, can I try it? They're like, yes, this is Madonna's wedding ring. So I tried on the wedding ring and I'm like, oh my God, you know, Madonna's finger has been in this. <laughs> and then on the last day of shooting, um, they allowed me to go to set and, uh, I guess she was giving away or giving autographs to people as a thank you for all the work on the movie. And you have to remember, this was the first Maverick movie. You know, she had just signed the deal for Maverick. Mm-hmm. So this was a Maverick production. So a lot of people were, you know, people, names that you recognize were part of the movie. So Freddie DeMann was um, one of the producers. His daughter, Pilar, was the makeup intern. Uh, Anthony Ciccone was uh, working in the locations department. So I got to know Anthony. Um, so I talked to him quite a bit. Um, her brother, correct? Her brother, her brother. Was he the one that was in Truth or Dare? No, that was Chris. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Martin was in, Martin was Martin, in Truth or Dare. That's, Anthony, oh, that's I, think, right. I think Anthony eventually became homeless. Um, I yeah, think, that's who, yeah. Anthony was the one yeah. that became homeless. Um, he was so nice. He was so nice. I really enjoyed talking to him. At one point, he, he, he told me that, you know, that, that their grandmother made the best pie. And I'm like, I tried everything I could to get that recipe from him. Like, you know, please, please give it to me. But he was very unassuming. He was just there. Um, I'm not sure that he had any interest in locations whatsoever, but he was there. You know, she employed him. Mm-hmm. I think she was giving him an opportunity. Um, one of the cool things about working in the locations department is that a lot of people don't know this, but Madonna's actual house was um, scouted as a potential location for the movie. So they took pictures of every room in the house as a way to potentially save money and maybe shoot there. What was great was that the locations person said, do you want to see what Madonna's house looks like? Uh-huh. I said, no, of course. And they had it all boarded up. And she said, okay, so you walk in here and here's her bedroom. And here, and I, I mean, the house was really small. It was, I think, it, like only two bedrooms. And what was cool was that I could see, you know, there was a camera that was pointed at the front gate. And there were TVs throughout the house that showed you the front gate. So she could always see who was approaching. Um, the kitchen was beautiful. Um, it was very small. It was a very small house for one person. And um, eventually we didn't use that location, which at that point I would have fought tooth and nail to get into, you know, t- to go to set that day. But it was a way that, you know, they looked at it. Uh, fun little fact is that there is a stationary shot of uh, an exterior shot of the studio and Madonna's car, Madonna's 560 Mercedes is right there in the center. Um, so that's a little fun fact. Um, they just shot the studio and her car was right there. Mm-hmm. But we had a good time. And uh, um, at the time, I think Missy was her uh, assistant. And I was given an autograph photo that said, Love Madonna. It was the bad girl photo at that time because, you know, Rodica had, had come out. And, uh, and that was the best day of my life. I was like, oh, my God, I have an autograph photo from the movie that I'm working on. And then uh, the production 
actually gave me a little bit of money as a thank you for all the work that I had done. Oh, and, nice. um, oh, and that nice. was really cool. So they, I wound up getting paid um, much more than the movie theater did. But the, <laughs> but the, the greatest gift was being able to go to the rap party. We had a rap party and they were trying to figure out what to do for the rap party. And they came up with some location and Madonna said, no, we're going to the Roxbury. So she called her contact over there and suddenly we had the VIP lounge at the Roxbury. And um, there we were, we, 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 we partied and I, I danced next to Madonna and Ingrid as erotica was playing and she was mouthing the words while blowing bubbles. And it was, it was magical, you know, what was so, she wearing? Oh, wow. She was wearing, there's actually a photo that I can send you. Um, one oh, photo that does, d- does exist. I wish I had an electronic photo of it, uh, but she was wearing um, uh, a, like a black, black dress of some sort. Her hands were in the air. I'll, I'll send you the photo. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, she was, she was in good spirits. You know, we had wrapped the she movie. She looks so beautiful in that time period. I, I mean, and I know that movie is not a, uh, it didn't turn out the way that Madonna had wanted it to turn out. She didn't even go to the premiere, right? She like, she just didn't show what? up for that. No, 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 no. I mean, I just, I, I remember reading each draft and it got better and better and better. And then when I watched the movie, I said, well, what happened? Like, this is so not what, what did movie. happen. Do you know? No, no, I just, I don't, I don't know what happened. I know that, um, Abel Farrar was the director, and I guess he just got in there and changed the vision of the movie. I mean, it's against my guess, but it it wasn't it was not that that was not the movie that she signed up for. Mm-hmm. And I think that ultimately she was quite disappointed. But I do think that she gave quite a strong performance. Oh, absolutely! That's one of the movies where I say people who think she can't act, and I'm like, no, 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 watch watch Dangerous Game because she delivers quite a great performance in that movie. Yeah, I mean, one I remember there was one scene that she was uh, shooting. Um, and I think that there was like a, a prop television or something, and um, she she went to turn on the TV, and I guess the, the 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 fake TV didn't turn on or something. I remember she was so in the moment that she was so frustrated because she was like she was right there, like in the scene, and just so frustrated that she you know she was emotions were high. It was really it was it was she was so invested. I remember everybody was allowed everybody was was told to wear um, black on the set, but that wasn't conveyed to me the the first time that I went to set I'm wearing this bright. I'm wearing a green shirt. And Abel's like, what are you wearing? I'm like, a shirt. He's like, black, only black. I'm like, okay, sorry, I didn't know. You know, <laughs> But he got to know me a little bit because I was in the production office and he was there for pre-production. So he, he wasn't mean to me. He was just like, black, wear black to the set. Um, and uh, most of the crew in the movie, because remember, there's a movie within the movie. That was the actual crew. Um but no, it was it was it was it was just a wonderful experience. It was it was the best way to get introduced to the film industry. And from there, I met some people who eventually introduced me to some editorial people, and I started working in that capacity because of them. So, Dangerous Game certainly launched my film career. So, did you have any further M reactions after that? Like any additional? Yeah, um, definitely. So, um, one of the cool things that I got to. Uh, I found out that Madonna was was rehearsing for the 1990 VMA Music Awards, and didn't know that she was going to be performing Vogue and Marie Antoinette, you know, costume. But I, I, um, I went to the studio to um, to find, to, I, you know, it was believe it or not down the street from where Via Hollywood was. So I went down there and I saw her car sitting right next to the to the studio. And I couldn't hear anything, of course, but at one point there was a break and all the dancers came out in their 
and their costumes. And I remember looking at Oliver's going like this, this green and I didn't know what it, what it was, but it, I, they looked amazing. And I just hung out. I had, I just hung out until she eventually showed up and she left. I did look in the car at one point and I saw the demo version of just a dream, but it was Madonna's version. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. So in the, in the, in the, in the, um, you know, the gear, next to the gear shift, there was a cassette, and it just and it was a Warner cassette that said "Madonna, Just a Dream." So I knew the song existed, had no idea what it was, but all I kept thinking was, "How do I break into this car and get this tape?" Because it's clearly <laughs> something that I, <laughs> something that I need in my life. But she she did come out. She had blonde hair at that time, and then she she left with some of the dancers in her five sixty SL, and they drove off. So yeah, so I I didn't know what it was, uh, but I could see that something. Um, definitely unique was, was happening just from the costumes alone. Um, fun fact, I also did audition for the Blonde Ambition tour. Uh, as a dancer? A, as a dancer. Now, to be very clear, I am not a dancer. Um, but there was an open <laughs> call, and I thought, well, there's no way that I'm going to not do this. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, my good friend and I, we both uh, – well, my friend – auditions were being held for three days, January 9th, 10th, and 11th, 1990. And at that time, Carol Armitage was the choreographer. Vince Patterson had not been hired yet. As we all know, he came in much later because it wasn't working out. Yes. Again, from your own podcast. Yes. Um, but uh, my friend had gone the night before, and he, he said it wasn't bad. I said, well, what, what, was, the, what was the routine? Because I'm not a dancer. He said, it's basically the express yourself routine. You know, the Roger Rabbit, the running man. He said, you're going to basically do that kind of, that version of it. I said, all right. And he said, and they're playing a new version of Keep It Together. He goes, so even if you don't, you know, even if you don't do well, you get to hear a new version of the song. So I said, <laughs> right. all right. So that morning I decided that I was definitely doing this. And my parents had no idea what I was really talking about, but I said, I'm going to go audition. And they, they let me leave school. You know, they actually, I cut school to, to go. We, I drove down to, or we, 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 I took the bus all the way down to Hollywood and I went to Marsha and said, okay, auditions are today. I'm going to do this. I have a rundown of what the audition consists of. And she goes, show me the list. And I said, it's, you know, whatever, you know, four running men, four Roger Rabbit. And I said, I don't know these dance moves. I think auditions started like at two o'clock or something. And she said, all right, we've got time. We've got time. So she actually, nobody was in the store. She put on Keep It Together because we knew that was a song that was going to be playing we didn't know what version because we didn't have it. And she goes, all right, let's do it. And then she was like, one, two, three, one, two, three. Okay, now this is how you do the running man. This is literally me an hour before I'm going to audition for the woman. And I don't know what I'm doing. But I got to the point where I felt, I use the word loosely, confident enough that I could not completely make a fool out of myself. So uh, my friend uh, showed up at the store and we and he drove us to the um, to the audition. Well, Again, as I said, Via Hollywood was on Sunset and Landmark Studios was on Sunset. So we just drove down Sunset. And at one point, he looks in his rearview mirror and he goes, Madonna's behind us. Uh. I said, no, she's not. He said, Madonna's behind us. So I turn around and go, oh my God, Madonna's behind us. We were all driving to the same place. That's so funny. So we... um, The the fact that you didn't have cell phones at this time is what kills me. It's like all these moments where like you were right there with her and you didn't have a cell phone ready to capture the... It's nothing. You didn't even have a camera. There was They had point and shoots at the time. 
I didn't ha- I know I was obviously uh, incredibly unprepared. You should uh, but- see this is what you get for not going to the photo mat and picking up an Instamat. <laughs> so true. But she was uh, she was behind us and then she passed us on the right and I I looked and I could see her and she looked amazing and I was like Was it all like deeper and deeper come to life like Madonna just driving Just Madonna driving herself. Madonna driving herself. She, no one else in the car. And I said we are I said we're going to see you in a few minutes. We're going to we know where you're going. <laughs> We got to the, uh, we parked, and uh, I was number 74 of the open call. And I don't mind telling you that I was dressed completely inappropriately because I, ha- I was not a dancer and I didn't know what I was doing. So everybody, when I got there, I looked around and everybody was in their tight spandex and you know their muscle shirts. And I was a 133-pound weakling who was going to be doing the same thing that they were doing, except I was wearing like khaki pants and a, I kid you not, oh, no. a um, a turtleneck because it was January. Oh, it was cold. No, wow. I know, oh, I know. Ron. This is like I an know. episode of first season nine hundred two one zero and Fame put together. <laughs> like, what is happening here, Ron? <laughs> total mess, total mess. But that's what I was wearing, you know. And it's and that's I and I owned it. And I of course looked completely ridiculous looking at it now of looking at it then too but um we were taken in and we were taken in groups of 10 and um so um madonna was there you know obviously and i saw her drive next to me so she was there she was kind of sitting down on the ground nikki and donna were there uh before it started i heard nikki say did you like what we did on the on the mtv awards you know we came up with that on our own you know that was just something that we came up with you know express yourself so i heard you know nikki there um, and, uh, so they went through the dance steps, you know, and I'm like, okay, thank God. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And at the end of the routine, you ended with that kick where your leg goes all the way up. I repeat, I am not a dancer and I had absolutely no flexibility whatsoever. But in my mind, I know that my leg went just as high as all the other dancers. <laughs> Realistically, it might've gone maybe like half an inch. But um, we did the. We, they took it. They took us through the um, routine once, and then they played the music, and it was the remix to keep it together. So right there, I was already. This was a win. I mean, the whole thing was a win. But um, we did it all together, and then they broke us up into groups of five. So two groups of five. So I got to watch my friend do it, and he got to watch me. And we were both terrible, but we didn't care. And then she liked two people from one of our groups. And uh, she, she said, I, you two, I want, you know, they said, we want you two to do it again. I was so impressed because I was barely able to get through the moves. And these two dancers who had, and I had a full day of like knowing what the routine was going to be, but I'm not a dancer. But they, they got it and they played the music and it was just in sync and sync and sync and sync. And they did everything and the legs popped and everything. And, you know, so we got to stay another minute longer because, you know, there were two people that were called out. And ultimately, um, they were not chosen. Of course, I wasn't chosen as well, obviously. But I did walk up to her at the end, and I thanked her for the opportunity. And I handed her two passes to the movie theater that I know that she went to. And I said, by the way, if you come back to the theater, the movie's on me. So I handed her two tickets, and she said, thank you very much. And she was was great. She was in good spirits that night. She was just excited to be there. And, um, you know, everybody was just trying to figure out how to get to be part of this tour. Sure. So, you know, to, so the idea that I, I auditioned for the show, went to the show as, you know, as my prom and then went to the premiere, it was full circle. It was just, it was great. I was there from literally beginning to end of, of the Blonde Ambition era. Wow. wow. And it was a great era to be a part of. Yes, it Absolutely. was. Absolutely. So speaking of tours, 
What uh, what tours have you seen beyond Blonde Ambition and Girly Show? I've seen them all. Uh, I, I, oh I, wow! I, I, well, no, no, no. I, Platinum. No, no, no. I, well, I didn't get to. <laughs> I didn't get to see Virgin Tour because I just couldn't get a ticket. And then I, I was supposed to go to Who's That Girl, but I wound up going out of town uh, the day before she arrived. And it was a trip mm-hmm. that my grandmother was taking me, and it was a it was a three week trip to Europe, and she. I, I begged, can we change the flights? And she said, no. So my, uh, Ronnie, my brother, I'm not changing the ticket. So you either are coming or you're not. I was Sorry, ready to grandma. Not. I just really love Madonna. I can see it. I can see it all. This, <laughs> I, is, I, in your, this is in your future biopic. Yeah. I, I, I cried, but ultimately, um, <laughs> my best friends, one who became my brother-in-law, uh, they went to the show and they got me, um, you know, one of the, they got me the, the, the t-shirt with the eyes on it. And they, the, the love that t-shirt. Oh, excellent. I, I have that t-shirt and I can barely fit into it now, but it's more yeah. like a crop top than it is. So. <laughs> I'm actually wearing, uh, the Blonde Ambition shirt. This was the swag. Oh, I stand up. The, let me see. Stand up. Oh, oh yeah. I one. love that. I always wish I'd gotten that one. Well, I didn't buy this one at the show. This was given to me at the Truth or Dare premiere. This was the swag bag. Oh, so I wore this oh, today. Nice. Yeah, they were giving out t-shirts. Because I, I looked at it today and I thought, why is it a size large? Because I certainly wasn't a large. And I realized, oh, this was the shirt they gave to us at the at the premiere. So they had all these extra shirts, and that's what they gave to us as a parting gift. One of the things that we did get to do was we went to the Jean-Paul Gaultier fashion show where Madonna premiered erotica, wow. and she removed her top, and we saw her her, you know, her, her breasts, her breasts. But that was the first time that we got to hear erotica in its entirety. And unbeknownst to me, she was sitting in um one of the balcony seats watching the show had I known that I would have not paid any attention to the fashion show that was in of front course, of me naturally. So in essence, I was glad that I didn't know that she was there, but when she came out and she had the curly hair and the beret and the, and the music was loud. I just remember it was loud. Um, but that was the first time we heard erotica and it's like, well, what a great way to experience it with Madonna right there half naked in front of us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's pretty on point. Yeah, so um, we did that. Um, like I said, we went to the APLA Danceathon, um, and then one of the other more recent—not recent, but um, one of the last times I saw her in person was I was at the Golden Globes, and I was there the night that she won for Masterpiece. Oh, oh nice! So when she walked down the carpet, uh, I was obviously just you know staring at her, and she actually turned and, and, look, and, and looked my way and looked right at me. So that was pretty cool. Wow. That's a journey. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of fun um, memories. You know, she's she's brought a lot of joy. So, yeah. What are what are your your biggest wishes for the celebration tour? I want the tour to live up to its name. I want it to be a celebration. I don't want it to be political. I want it to be a fun party. I you know this is forty years of iconic music, and you know the one thing that I always say is that. For me, Madonna's music is a healing tonic for the soul. Mm. I hear that music and I just it it heals me. It it makes me so happy. So I, you know, when when Vogue comes on and I hear that opening the the, the music, it's it takes over. I want, you know, I want Nikki and Donna back. I want the set list uh. to be, I know. I, I have my friend and I talk about this all the time. It's almost like I don't know that she can meet the expectations that we all have because we all want so many different things. She can't. She can't. I know. It's impossible. Literally, it's impossible. I hear so many different, uh, I hear so many different uh, perspectives from people saying, this is what they want. No, this is what they want. No, this is what they want. I'm like, you know what? Everyone's going to be disappointed. (laughs) Well, 
But, but in some way, she's given us the time to work through all those feelings by announcing the tour so far ahead of when it starts. Everyone sure. can go through their own journey to accepting that it's going to be what it's going to be and not what any of us may want individually. So, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm hoping for just an amazing set list. Um, obviously, we want, you know, we, we, we want to hear Rescue Me. We want to hear Causing Commotion. We all have our favorites. I know, pray. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I want the show just to be a lot of fun. I, I hope that she stays away from politics because this really should be a retrospective of, you know, her career. Not that she isn't political, but I think that just needs to be fun. And I think that people want to dance. And, you know, we've lived through a pandemic and everybody just yes. wants to have fun. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think the the tone needs to be on point. Like she could actually get through a set list, even if it wasn't like some of the like, quote unquote greatest hits, but if it was an uplifting message, the tour, you know, as yeah. opposed to, I don't, I just think people don't want dark and brooding and serious, you know, like they don't want gangbang. They, they want, right. you know, they want into the groove, you know, they, yeah, they, 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 they want to have fun. I mean, yeah. you know, everyone has their own specific memories about, you know, Madonna's music and how it makes them feel. So they want to go back and feel that again. And Correct. this music has that power. It's whether or not she chooses to tap into it to, to kind of, that's the message that she needs to send out there. Yes, there's a lot of darkness in the world. Yes, she's very spiritual these days, but at the essence of the day, people just want to enjoy her for who she is. You know, she's a living legend. She's still here. Yeah, I don't count her out. I think she's got some tricks left up her sleeve. I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree. Uh, yeah, and Jean-Paul Gaultier may have retired from his fashion line, but that doesn't mean he can't make costumes. I'm just Correct. saying. Definitely. Well, Ron, I think it's time for a little segment we like to call the lightning round. As a listener it. of the show, you are very well aware that these answers are meant to be quick off the top of your head, wherever you're at in your Madonna journey today. Don't think too hard. Favorite Madonna song? Holiday, but I do believe the best song is Vogue. Mm, yes, I, I will concur. Favorite Madonna music video? I would say Borderline. I love oh, it. I just I I love how she looked. I mean, it was really my introduction. You like the love story? You want to be on the? You want to be on a on a rooftop with a a hot Latino man watching the sunset? <laughs> It was Absolutely. her first. It was the first mini movie too that Correct. she made. She it just was very, so very great. cinematic. You know, yeah. cinematic in black and white and color. Uh, favorite Madonna tour. Ambition for many reasons. Mm, yeah, you were part of it. You had to be. Come on. Uh, favorite Madonna movie. I'm going to say Truth or Dare. Mm, but okay. I do love uh, Desperately Seeking Susan, and I love A League of Their Own. But I, but, but Truth or Dare for me is is, is the real Madonna movie. Favorite Madonna look, and this can be from a video, a tour, a photo shoot in person. I'm actually going to say um, the Evita promo. I thought she looked absolutely stunning when she was promoting Evita. You know, the blonde hair. She looked so glamorous. She just looked fantastic. So the Mizell or the Testino photos? Testino. Which one? Oh, Testino. good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Testino, baby. <laughs> Testino. Oh, those two layouts, Vanity Fair and Vogue. I was like, mm, it took me months to figure that one out. Oh, oh good yeah, choice. yeah, yeah, good yeah, yeah. Choice. No, no. She looked. So, she looked spectacular. Yes. So, Ron, tell everyone listening where they can find you on the socials. Uh I actually keep my socials pretty private, um, but I am on Instagram, oh, but perhaps okay. that might change after this because I'm always interested in meeting the other fans. But uh, my Instagram is Ron Redbinsky, so keep it really simple. And um, yeah. I just I so appreciate, I appreciate that you've given me the opportunity to speak with you guys and share some really wonderful memories. And I hope that, uh, that, that everyone learned, learned a little bit about the, uh, about the genesis of the fan club and just some fun stories about working on a Madonna movie. 
Yeah, it's been amazing hearing your story. As somebody who remembers Icon and had that year subscription, and then it's really made me think about what fandom was like then and then sort of how it changed on the internet and we had all the little like fan sites and like that and then social media has taken that over so we've sort of had like these three phases of fandom and it's been interesting to like bridge all three of them and so hearing all your stories from like the original fandom is just so wonderful it's just oh, thank wonderful. you so much i really appreciate the opportunity i really do you guys are great and i love your podcast and i am absolutely championing you to become the tour correspondents i think this has to happen I mean, I really do. It's it's one of those things where they they need voices like you out there and promoting the show. And um, you know, let's see what we can do about making that happen. But you guys need to be there. I'm telling you, I just I think it'd be a perfect synergy for her tour. I, you know, to have fan perspectives from every show all around the world. You know, interviewing fans about their stories and their experiences and their love for Madonna, and then. At the same point, interviewing random people who are part of the show itself, musicians, set, dr- set dressers, you know, technicians, like hearing their perspectives and their stories. I just think it's a no brainer. You know, like I just I I mean, I, as much as I'd love to interview Madonna, I know she's super busy and I know that, you know, she's got other things to do than field questions from a podcaster. But there's a whole lot of people who make up a tour and who are you know responsible for putting on a show of production of that scale. And I just think it'd be fun to hear that and you know it's going to happen for a couple months so why yeah, not i absolutely you know, agree i really hope this happens for you guys because you you deserve to be there and your your love and your devotion you know doesn't go unnoticed and um you know thank you so much for the podcast i know that it's a labor of love and that you and your guests are just incredible um every episode just gets better and better and better and I, really oh, it's 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 such a well-oiled machine and um i'm so gra- i'm so glad that you're here to to just keep on going you know it's it, you're just wonderful really thank you well and i thank you for coming on and and being part of part of the I, legacy I I'm now part a, of the archive i hope i'm now a, a yes. an official friend of the of the podcast friend of the oh yes t- tony always used to love that term friend of the <laughs> I miss podcast tony. i miss him and i miss liberty as well please send my very best absolutely. yes absolutely and um yeah, that's our show for today, everybody. Thanks for thanks for taking the time, Ron. This has been great. I love it. All right. Excellent. That's our show. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Ron. Of course. <laughs>